0: We've been in a sermon series, uh, uh, a few sermon series actually, but focused in the book of Acts. Uh, according to tradition, Acts is called Acts of the Apostles, but that's really an editorial uh, title. <clears throat> in you, when you read and experience the content of the book, it should more likely be called Acts of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And our text for this day is no different. All of this is building off of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. That's the key verse that uh, is continuing to be played out. That's where Jesus gives a mandate to his people. He says, uh, uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit and with power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so right now we're in the second of three sermon series in Acts, talking about in all Judea and Samaria. And the way to understand that is is how the gospel is spreading out from this starting point. And the starting point is in Jerusalem. Well, what is our Jerusalem? It's the Fargo-Moorhead area. Because the mandate that Jesus gives to be witnesses has not come to an end. It's still valid and it's for you. It's been given to you in your hearing through the word. The next... Outer circle of spreading out the gospel would be in all Judea and Samaria. Well, for us, that would be North Dakota and Minnesota, right? And then as it goes beyond that, it goes to the ends of the earth. Kind of like what we heard about what... um, Uh, Tom and Eunice will be doing uh, shortly. They're going to the other side of the world because the gospel is not limited by geography. But what we're going to discover today is that the gospel is also not limited to those who are in and those who are out. Today we're going to hear about what it means to be the clean. Moms really understand this word, don't you think? My mom was always very good about making sure that I was clean, That uh, before I went to bed, I'd I'd wash my face, clean out my ears, take a shower if you need to. Uh, She had no problem telling me when I stunk, she would say it outright, you stink, you need to go wash. And what do all moms want? They always want their kids, if they're in any type of circumstance, don't forget to put on clean underwear. Because if you're in an accident, you want to have clean underwear, apparently, Uh, but once you have the accident, they're not going to be clean anymore. So what does it mean to be clean? Uh, Amy read for us the the context, and what's interesting about this story, this is is what's the center of the book of Acts. Um, In the Old Testament, or, or in understanding that it looks like an X, if you were to map out what's happening, it's called the chiasm. Everything has been building to these chapters, chapters 10 through 12, and then the events of chapters 10 and 12 will culminate outwards. We're going to discuss the first conflict in the church. Are you surprised that there's conflict in church? It's as old as the church. And this is the first one. It's a big one, and it has to do with how do you know who's clean and unclean? Who can be in the church and who can't be in the church? Now, um, we heard about Cornelius, and Cornelius is known as a Gentile. Um, a Gentile is someone who is not one of God's chosen people. Uh, in the Bible, this distinction is between the Jews and, uh, or the, the children of Israel and the Gentiles, which is everybody else. So how many of you are Italian? Okay. All right. That, that went up really bad. When I lived in Philadelphia, if I said that, all hands would go up. Cornelius is Italian. So we'll try this. How many of you are Scandinavian or German? All right, there you go. All right, you're Gentile. If you're not Jewish, you're Gentile. You're in that category, and that's who Cornelius is. And yet, he wants to know God. He uh, is devout, the scripture says. And God answers his prayers by revealing himself to Cornelius in a vision. Remember back in Acts chapter 1, when the promise of the Holy Spirit was coming, Peter began to speak about uh, people will have visions and dreams, Because the Holy Spirit has come near. It's it's the end times. This is the fourth outpouring of the Holy Spirit that has happened so far in Acts. And whenever it happens, it's because it seems like God is doing a new thing. But what we're going to discover is that, how do you know it's a new thing? Well, Scripture is going to tell us how we know that God is doing a new thing. And this new thing is, who is clean and who is unclean? So, uh, Cornelius gets this vision, and so he sends his, his soldiers to do what the angel said, which is to call Simon Peter to come to him. Now, we all know who Peter is, and that's where we start up in our scripture. Peter um, is, is in Joppa, which is about 30, 40 miles away from Caesarea, okay? All of it is in Judea and Samaria. It's not in Jerusalem, and um, he is, uh, goes up on the top of this house of Simon the Tanner, who's he, who he's with, and basically is up there and it's noon and he begins to pray and he has a vision of Jesus. Jesus speaks to him and says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now the vision that he's seen is like a picnic blanket coming down out of the sky and on there are all kinds of food that was outlawed if you were Jewish. So it's all kinds of gross stuff like bacon, shrimp, lobster, surf and turf, you know, all that really gross stuff that no one wants to eat. Ham. Boy, it would be hard to be kosher, wouldn't it? Just all this, all this just, just delectable food, but food that was outlawed to the Jews because God had given them a word in Scripture to say, stay away from these, from these foods. It's in the book of Leviticus. It's what's known as the Holy holiness code And the dietary code that was meant to set Israel apart from the rest of the world. That's what holy means. It means to be set apart. God had chosen Israel to have a witness to the rest of the world about um, uh, who the one true God is. And so the holiness codes were there to protect the people of Israel from being tempted into engaging in Gentile ways and practices and then falling into idolatry. Because the next step would, first I eat their food, then I live the way the Gentiles do, and before you know it, I'm worshiping the gods of the Gentiles, their deities, which is idolatry. You shall, not, um, uh, you shall worship only the Lord your God and serve only him, remember? So that's the purpose of the holiness code in the Old Testament. And if you were Jewish and you wanted to keep kosher, you would keep that dietary code. It was, it was normative to be Jewish. It's kind of like, if I want to be Norwegian— I better eat lefse, right? Uh, and if I'm really Norwegian, I better eat that lutefisk. I listen to you all like, oh yeah, I hear you. That's the burden of being Norwegian. The burden of being Jewish is, is the holiness code. Certain things that you do and don't do because the goyim, Gentiles, all of us, are unclean. And if they're unclean and you engage with them, they, they will make you unclean. And so this is Peter's response to Jesus who said, kill and eat these unclean things. Peter says, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common. The word is or here, but it's actually and. Common and unclean. So Peter is joining together two words, common and unclean. Maybe that'll help us to understand because often when we think of uh, unclean or clean or holy and unholy, we think of those things to mean good and evil, that's not really the distinction here. It's part of it, but it's more of a distinction of can you be in God's presence or not? Because there's things that are, that are awful. There are things that, are, that are, are not pure. They're not holy. They're not set apart. And so they're common. What are things that are common? Well, I can tell you something that we may take for granted because we're Christians, but what is common is Sin. Sin is the great equalizer. Everyone is sinners. That's what we confess, right? There's no one group that's less sinful than another. Even as Christians, we still confess that we are sinners in need of a Savior. Even knowing Jesus, we confess that. Sin is the great equalizer that breaks down some of the most common sins that everyone has. And here's another one. These sins that we think are so bad, and they are, are common to everybody. One of the oldest sins that everyone has played out is prejudice, is discrimination. In the United States, uh, often we we talk about it in, in different terms. We speak of it as racism. But the reason why we speak of it as racism is because we're misunderstanding what a race is We're actually talking about ethnicities, and in the history of the United States, prejudice has been based on skin tone. But prejudice and discrimination is not unique to the United States. It's common everywhere going back through history. If you're not discriminating based on someone's skin tone, in other parts of the world, it's tribal. It's based on your accent, or it's based on some facial features, Or even people of the same skin tone in the United States uh, uh, differentiate on just small little things. Discrimination and prejudice and racism is universal. It's not unique to one group. It's common. And the thing about it is, it comes from a place of self-preservation. If you're walking down the street... And you're by yourself, and you see a group of people that don't act like you, they don't sound like you, they may not look like you, it can be intimidating and scary, and you immediately go on the defensive because we're scared of what we don't know or what we don't understand the unknown. So our default position, our common position, is not to be welcoming. It's actually to discriminate. But notice that Peter connects common with unclean. So he's using it a little differently. What I'm sharing with you is that the common starting point for all of us, regardless of where we come from, is sin. You and me, we are all sinners because we are self preserving, self celebrating, selfish individuals only looking out for number one. Now, it reminds me this distinction between clean and unclean of this. Maybe you're like this, maybe you felt like this. La, la, la. So that's Mo from the movie Wally. I love it when when Wally puts dirt on his face because he's, ah! We can get obsessed with clean or unclean. That's what the the Apostle Peter is doing when his Lord says to him, take and eat. He's giving him a vision. But he's actually not talking about food. He's talking about the distinction of common uh, and unclean concerning people. Common means ordinary or widespread. Okay, so the first thing to understand is that common—it's not a good or bad. It's not good or evil. It's just—it's everywhere. And the reality is, when we actually look at it, we discover that sin, sinfulness is everywhere, and we're all uh, unclean by it. And unclean means dirty, impure, or prohibited. It's—it's it's those things that are selfish, that are turned in on, on ourselves, that that would separate us from God, that would lead us away from God. Uh, in the Old Testament, as I mentioned. It was associated with whether you were Jewish or Gentile. It was part of your identity as a person. Jesus says to Peter, the voice came to him again a second time, what God has made clean, do not call common. Now, what is Jesus talking about? If you remember, Jesus is the one who said in the Bible, uh, it's not what goes into you, in your mouth, that makes you clean or unclean, but what comes out of your heart. Your motivations, your desires, your, your actions. And what he's talking about is that food does not make you clean or unclean. Here he's not talking about cl- food. Food is the metaphor. He's talking about people. What God has made clean, do not call uncommon. For the early Christians, the first conflict they had was to understand, okay, salvation is through Jesus Christ, but don't Gentiles still have to become people of the word? Don't they have to become Jewish first? Don't they have to become like us before they can uh, 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 follow Jesus? And here Jesus speaks and says, What God has made clean, do not call common. God is doing a new thing. Now, how do you know that God is doing a new thing? Well, you're going to see the the work of the Holy Spirit, but also you're going to discover that uh, the way Martin Luther spoke about it, scriptura sacra sui ipsius interpris is being activated. Uh, In other words, Scripture interprets Scripture. Was Peter right to think that there are certain foods that he can't eat? Yes, he was. He's Jewish, and he's following Jewish dietary law. The thing about it is, even though it's the Word of God, it's not the Word of God for you Because it was given to a specific people at a specific time for a specific purpose, and it had a specific ending according to Scripture itself. And that's the other thing. How can you know God is doing a new thing? What is happening is, is in line with what God has planned from the beginning. In the Old Testament, there's a time when everyone is the same under God. And the realization of the Old Testament is that everyone is the same under God because all are sinners. It's the great equalizer. No one is better or worse. We all need God's mercy. We all need God's love. And yet we are all created in the image of God. It doesn't matter what ethnicity you are. There's only one race. It's the human race. Because we are all in need of God's grace in Jesus Christ. The separation was in order to show the need for Jesus. And the dietary code came to an end in 587 B.C. And how do I know that? And you're saying, how do you know that? Read your Old Testament. That's why you need to be in the Word. The more you're in the Word, the more you see how these things are given at a specific time and a specific place. It's the Word of God, but it wasn't the, it's not the Word of God for you. The word of God for you is Acts 1, verse 8, because it has not come to an end. That mandate still stands. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are my witnesses, and you have the Holy Spirit and power, so tell them. Tell them about me. Tell them this new thing that God has done. Clean means to be made pure and innocent. We all need that, because all of us are the same, because we're all unclean, and we need to be made clean. Now Peter, after hearing this, is, is shocked and surprised and he says this. So Peter opened his mouth and said, when he finally saw Cornelius and he saw these Gentiles and he saw the presence of the Holy Spirit in their midst, their faith, truly I understand that God shows no partiality. He now realizes that this has been God's intention all along, that all people would, would come to faith and, and let God be their God. And that it wouldn't be all separated into groups and ethnicities because God shows no partiality. It doesn't matter where you came from because in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This isn't universalism. This is the promise of the gospel. It is for all people, all sinners, regardless of background. There's no group that's left out. Because if you're born, you are born a child of Adam and Eve, On this planet, in this place, and we are all born as sinners in need of a Savior. And so all who turn to Jesus and believe in him are saved, regardless of their background, regardless of where they came from, regardless of whether they are Jew or Gentile. Now what is to follow is what's known as the kerygma. The kerygma is the content of what we are called to be witnesses and what we say, uh, uh, the proclamation is what it is. It's, it's what you tell. It's the core teaching of the faith. You might say, okay, so I'm called to be a witness, and I'm given the Holy Spirit, but what am I supposed to say? That's the kerygma. Uh, you've heard of charismatic Christians. Today, we're going to be charismatic Christians, okay? This is the content of the gospel, if you've ever wondered. This is the heart, the core teaching. Peter speaks, and he says this, as for the word that he has sent to Israel, in other words, God has spoken a word to us that the old has come to an end. God is doing something new and this new thing is the preaching of good news of peace for all people through Jesus Christ because he is Lord of all. So the first kerygma, the first content of what it means to follow Jesus, the witness that you have to give to the world is that Jesus is the Lord. Not just my Lord, he's our Lord. He's the Lord of all. Whether you believe it or not believe it, Jesus is Lord. This is the oldest confession, the oldest creed of Christians. He goes on and he says, You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. He's now going to say that Jesus came to the world in order to teach the things of God, to show us how to be in relationship with God. All the promises of the Old Testament are being fulfilled in this person, Jesus Christ. It began with the last Old Testament prophet John the Baptist preparing the way of the Lord and saying it's time for God to be present in the midst of us just as he always promised, just as we've been praying for, for Messiah to come and it begins with this baptism. John's baptism was a baptism calling for repentance. Not just for the Gentiles, which was expected, but God's chosen people, the Jews, are also so called to repent, to turn from their sin, to recognize that they're sinners and the same as everybody else, and in need of a Savior. Jesus goes down and is baptized by John in this water, calling for repentance as God's answer to sinners, that He's come to be with them, to set them free from their sin. And in the baptism, God publicly anointed that word means Messiah, publicly Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. This is the Messiah. That was his sign. When he was baptized, it was no longer hidden that Jesus is the Messiah. It's now revealed. He's, uh, because the Holy Spirit came and rested on him. And then, with power in his ministry, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. And who are all that were oppressed? All of us. We are all under the subjugation of sin, death, and the devil. These are the enemy powers. These are the movers and shakers behind the scenes of reality. And Jesus came to deliver and bring healing and good to all who are oppressed by the devil. In the Bible, we see them as people who are, who are um, under sickness and death and, and uh, unclean spirits and so on. Why was he able to do this? Because God was with him. This is the statement that's given throughout the Old Testament of speaking about the presence of God in our midst. God was with Jesus because Jesus is God among us. He is Emmanuel. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Who are they? They is us. All of us are implicated in the death of Jesus Christ. Because God came, revealed himself, and revealed the sin of the world by uh, being rejected by the world. Showing that we are all sinners seeking our own Godhood in the face of God. And they did this by hanging him on a tree. In the Old Testament it says, cursed is anyone who is hung on a tree. What does this mean? It means that in Jesus' death, Jesus does a few things. He becomes the curse to the curse of sin. He becomes sin to sin itself. He becomes death to the power of death. And he becomes the devil to the devil. For you. And this is not the end of the story. Because if it was, then everything that the gospel proclaims about Jesus would be false. But what happened? God raised him on the third day and made him... To appear not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses. In Christ's resurrection, he is vindicated, and everything that's being announced right now is true. Because he's risen, death has been swallowed up from, in victory. The lines that would separate people into categories of sin has been destroyed. And all are allowed to come and receive forgiveness on account of Jesus Christ. Now, who has been chosen by God as witnesses? Witnesses. Chosen means that those who believe in Jesus are no longer common. You are now unique. You are now uncommon. You are now washed clean. Uh, uh, Because Christ is risen from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus Christ, and there will come a day when he will come again to judge the living and the dead, and evil, sin, death, and the devil will finally be wiped out completely and totally. To him, all the prophets bear witness. That's the entire scriptures, the Old Testament, when it says prophets bear witness. That's all of it. That everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the promise that makes you clean. And so, hear this promise that is announced. This is the heart of the gospel. This is the witness that we have been given, that is given to you. Jesus Christ, Son of God, died on the cross for you. All of your sins are forgiven. In his name, he is risen and he has appointed you to be witnesses to these things. Who has God put on your heart? Who has God put on your heart to be a witness to, to invite to church, to share the love of Jesus with? It matters more than anything. You are called to be witnesses of these things because you have been made clean by the blood of Christ. So tell them.